It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. New co-host here to talk about a draft that's like five years old now. Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Locked on Coyotes, number one daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes. I'm your host, Robin Leonio, alongside Matthew Jacobson. Coming back from the weekend, uh, Matthew spending his weekend uh, saving some puppies. <laughs> um, but uh, we're back talking some more Coyotes. We're taking a look back at the 2018 draft because, uh, well, let's put it this way, Matthew Phillips, Adina is no longer going to be, you know, is he? he's... Let's just say people people were talking a lot about hey that maybe we should sign Tadina who knows what what's up I don't know uh, it makes you give the question he didn't do well in Detroit so were the Coyotes right in not drafting him well I mean probably Barrett Hayton has worked out he's a center they need a center I I'm still gonna go with my old co-host in this one uh, Quintinius Hughes would have probably been the pick but. We're talking about Hayton and Zadina. It's actually weird. So the numbers are so similar. Uh, Hayton, 176 games, 32 goals, 42 assists, 74 points. Phillips, Zadina, 190 games, 28 goals, 40 assists, 68 points. I, I know, baby. I know. You're tired. It, it's it's so similar that it's weird, but also Zadina has kind of more baggage around him. And, of course, him being – his contract terminated, and I, I actually kind of have to respect him a little bit where he didn't want to essentially have to kind of drag it where he was at and where he was unwanted. He left some money on the table to potentially sign elsewhere. I was kind of wondering if maybe the Coyotes would be interested in getting a little forward depth with him, which would have been kind of funny, actually. Uh, you would not only make the quote-unquote correct pick in Barrett Hayton, but also end up getting Zadina anyway. And and maybe you could do something with that. Maybe you can't. Definitely not at what was it four million he had before the contract was terminated. A pretty decent right. cap, but maybe, maybe there might be some now. Maybe not. But I don't know. With how similar they are, how high they were picked, and how one of them still is with the team that drafted them, and is see is looked upon more favorably. I. It, it's still probably too early to tell as a whole, but I do feel comfortable saying Barry Hayden was probably the better of the two. I mean, it is we're yes. we're looking at a at a at a five year look back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's generally when a lot of people start to do redrafts, and we'll probably maybe do get to a, get to a redraft and see exactly what would have what could have been. We'll get that later in the show, but I you know I it, it's it's interesting because I feel like yeah like. In the sense that when you when you made the comparison on uh, on stats, I feel like the difference being is like you know Zadina was like they kept trying him and it just kept and like he like they you know, plugged him into a bunch of different you know times in the lineup and it just never really worked out in, with Detroit and I feel like he, they probably didn't fit as well. In the case with Hayton, is he started off pretty poor. Um, 
everyone knows that. And I think every, a lot of people were ready to give up on him. And then eventually he does a couple years. He's really shown himself. So I think that's why I think you're right. It might be still a little bit early because, hey, maybe we're still hung on Barrett Hayton, right? Like maybe he's like, yeah, he's improving, but how long can he keep this up still? Five years is again when we, like I said, is when we usually do a redraft. But I feel like with Hayton, there's still a lot of unknowns. But I think at this time, I can say I'm pretty confident saying, yeah, you know, I feel like, you know, drafting Hayton was a better pick. And um, when you look in hindsight, well, a better pick in the context of he's still with the team, he's still improving. Like I was mentioning, you know, looked upon favorably. Hayton is looked on more favorably now than than Zadina. Where Zadina, it the 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 national perspective seems to be it's just not working. Whereas with Barrett Hayton, the perspective is he's starting to get it together. Whereas his ceiling. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of aspects in which it is the better pick. Also, having a center over a winger, they're always going to value that. It just it is what it is. And again, team need still being on the team. There are many aspects to look at it where it is the better of the two picks. I just don't want to show too much disrespect to to Zadina because it's still entirely possible he's still young. He can still uh, make it in the league. Just sometimes you get drafted into a bad situation, or you get drafted into a situation that. Uh, you aren't going to flourish in, or you just need that change of scenery because a few things aren't going right, and, and it could just be incompatibility. So, like I said, I don't want to be too disrespectful to to Zadina. I know it's easy to meme on the I, "I will fill the net with pucks" quote that he had. I like the confidence. Same thing with Josh Rosen with the Cardinals drafted. You know, I think five years ago actually. I like yeah. the confidence. I like the arrogance. A little bit of cockiness is fun. But you have to deliver, or else it looks really bad. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I feel like at the time, and I think this is the reason why there's so much discussion about it, because at the time, so many people were criticizing the Coyotes for p- picking Hayton. Because a lot of people like had hate. And this is in a similar situation to what we're going on right now, right? Everyone's taking like, oh, this is this was more of a reach. Why would you pick Hayton when Zadina was still on the board? Mm-hmm. You know, hey, we're running into this again this year. Um, but now we're, you know, looking five years in the past. It's something that happened five years ago. And we're having this discussion now. Um, the, I, I, I wonder where those people are right now. Those people that criticize that pick. I'm probably not going to talk about it too much because in, in reality, we have, I, I hate this, this, hole we keep finding ourselves falling in the trap that we always find ourselves falling in where every single draft we have the hyped we have guys we're high on guys we're low on and then if the projections don't go right we, we kind of just like abandon it or we kind of like just pretend we never had the thoughts we had and you see it so often and so many people still fall for the same trap of oh man that is a reach it's a consensus look unless we're talking about like crosby Ovechkin, Malkin, AM34, uh, Connor McJesus. Unless you're talking about like those very specific, pro- probably Connor Bedard, those very specific players and picks, it's, I, I guarantee the perspective five, ten years later is not going to be the same that it was heading into whatever draft. And we're still finding ourselves in this. Like, it, it's it's interesting. And we have, with Hayton and Sedina, a, a pretty decent conversation where they're very similar players on two different 
career trajectories at this current point five years later, but how much was the Hayton pick criticized? How much was this pick? Crit- like I still, like again, I'll stand by the Coyotes probably should have taken Quinn Hughes, but Hayton was not a bad pick because as of right now, things are trending in the right direction. You just kind of got to hope that he kind of keeps building on it next year. So we're not coming back at, nah, it was a bad pick like in a year or two, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're going to continue this conversation on the uh, 2018 draft. Talk about Barrett, you know, Barrett Hayton, Phillips, Vina. And, uh, you know, as Matthew mentioned, eh, maybe talk a little bit about Quinn Hughes and see how, you know, the overall comparison of the 2018 NHL draft. But before we get into any of that, though, we're going to take a quick break so we can hear from our sponsors on the show. All right. <clears throat> we got to talk about FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times the first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. Bet just 20 bucks and you'll land 200 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 bucks you can spend on betting from everything to money line to over under to who you think's going to get the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly absolutely love that there's no better place to bet on mlb than fanduel america's number one sports book so sign up today visit fanduel.com slash locked on uh to get 200 dollars in bonus bets that's fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel official partner of major league baseball Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So let's continue this conversation, Matthew. Like, you know, I'm trying to take a look because I'm seeing, trying to see what was Barrett Hayton's size when he was drafted? Because I remember, because again, I mean, he's, obviously you know filled out um and again i'm not going to say because we can't you can't you can't make the comparison because it was he was a chica draft so it's different but i'm trying to re- think well, of let me re- like well, what's he at now currently he's listed he's on hockey database six one two oh seven so he was probably like six because you still grow a little bit you know in your 20s yeah, when you're like, like that yeah you know five eleven six foot at like a buck sixty a buck seventy so mm-hmm. he has put on some weight, obviously. So it's, I don't know. He's filling out more as an NHL center, despite that he, it, it kind of felt like they were going to mess up his development for a little bit because he kind of, he made the initial team, what was it, in 2018, 19, but didn't really play. They just, they, he made the opening night roster, but was a healthy scratch to get a feel for the big leagues when he probably could use that time a little more productively to either play a couple of games to see where he's got to be or just play. Back in juniors, I actually have his stats pulled up. I kind of want to talk about his his development. So 18-19, he has 39 games, 26 goals, 40 assists, 66 points uh, for the Sioux Greyhounds, the OHL. Then in 19-20, in 20 games, he only has four points, one goal for the Coyotes. Uh, he also played five games for the Roadrunners, point-per-game guy. Same one goal, but four assists, five points. And then he also gets loaned in the 2020-2021 season for eight games, playing with was it Yuso and uh, and Michelli? He's playing over in Liga. I, I I think so. Yeah. And then you can see the numbers that don't sound impressive. So 2020, 2020, 2021, 14 games, two goals, one assist, three points. And then with Tucson, twenty six games, six goals, four assists, ten points. 
but things are getting a little better. They're trending in the right direction. It is one fewer point in six fewer games, but technically double the goals to the NHL level. And then, of course, the, the point totals did double, but there were more games played. Then you had into two years ago, 21-22, 60 games, 10 goals, 14 assists, 24 points. And he's setting himself up at that point to be that middle six center. Like, you're starting to see it, and he's doing a lot of the two-way stuff right. I, I, I've i praised his two-way game for at least a couple of years now. You're seeing it get a little better, but it's very slow. And a lot of people we saw with Dylan Strom, this fan base is not very patient with high, you know, top five, top six picks. Let's be honest here. But he's kind of getting it together, and then this year is supposed to be a huge step forward. And for the first, what, 30 games? It wasn't. And it's looking like, okay, well, he can still be a useful third-line center. Plays all 82, 19 goals, 24 assists. Same amount of points he had the season prior in just assists. 43 points. He's a little bit above, a tiny bit above a point, you know, a half point per game. But with the context of all of that is in the last, like, is that 49 games? About It's, it's in the second half of the season, essentially, where all his points came because I don't think he had a single point for the first 30 games. It, it right. was and it's- a very slow start. I'm glad you mentioned that too, because like I was meant, I, I was thinking, you know, sometime early on in the season, even like, even like, you know, throughout last season, you know, releasing an episode. And I think I even mentioned it in an episode too. And I was like, what do we do with Derek Hayton? Um, where, his, you know, I feel like he's, he's plateaued. He's just not, he's not developing. And then he's really, then he really started to show what he's really capable of. Um, it could have been a difference of who he's coaching with, maybe a new, you know, difference in whatever it might have been. But he really just and he really proved that step to me. I feel like, feel like he proved it to a lot of people. I feel like maybe kind of knowing that maybe held a grudge because understanding that so many people, so many people were criticizing him for not developing the way he he should have been, um, especially for a top five pick. Because again, he was picked at number five in 2018. So I feel like there's a lot of expectation for what he should have been and to be fair when you're picked between brady kachuk who was a very solid nhl forward you know first line forward and quinn hughes who is a very solid first pair defenseman to be completely fair players don't and i will maintain this players don't pick where they're where they're selected and Mm -hmm. there needs to be after a certain amount of time the expectation for what they should be versus what they are does need to be reevaluated. Right. But I also do get it because he showed a lot of that upside and you saw bits and pieces, small flashes, a couple good plays, a a good breakaway goal here or there, a couple really good passes. And I I don't think he got enough credit for the two-way stuff and, you know, big context last year. And again, people kept dogging on because lack of points. He was constantly playing against the top six of the other team. And to a certain extent, a lot of the top lines, and playing serviceable. His plus-minus last year was a, a negative five on a team that was not good defensively, and that's why I love the plus-minus stat. It's a team stat, yes, but there's that context of who's on the team, what players had a really bad plus-minus, what players were just on unfortunate lines, unfortunate matchups, what players just were playing poorly, and what players were trying to elevate or doing the small things to elevate. And to an extent, I think Barrett Hayton was right there with a lot of it, and I feel like he finally got a little more recognition as the points started happening, but I, I kind of feel like that is what it is at this point. But it, such an interesting player and a really solid two-way player that if, if he's still 
ends up being that third line center, that just tells you the Coyotes have Austin Matthews and Logan Cooley. Because who is going to be good enough if he continues this path, being about a half point per game guy, 40 to 60 point guy, who's going to knock him out of the number two center role on this team? I just, I don't see it in the system right now, unless you're getting like a really big free agent, because if he just maintains where he's at, that's pretty good value for fifth overall. Yeah, it's not yeah. a knockout, but that's still good value. I mean, but, someone might make the argument for for Geeky later on, but I feel like Geeky will be cool. Like for the sake of making you know making sure that Hayton gets what gets the minutes that he deserves, mm-hmm. you slide you slide Geeky over the wing. And I mentioned this several times over the last year. Like that, like no matter how many times someone might tell me, "Hey, no, Geeky is a, Geeky is a center." Like no. When he's with the Coyotes, there's almost without a doubt he's going to be a winger. Log jam the center, and centers can play wing. And and looking at how this roster looks out, let's say even if it's Kraus, Hayton, and Geeky, I can't complain about that line. And we're just talking about hypothetically, like if he still slots in at third center, he probably stake his claim for a second line center spot. Unless the team ends yeah. up like trading him because his cap hit would be too high. Because think about it, what one year left on his deal? If he has another, you know, let's say 50, 55 point season this year and he ends up, you know, scoring 23, 24 goals, that cap hit's going to go up. He's going to get oh, a yeah. decent little raise. So you're going to have to evaluate where you're at. And the Coyotes would still probably sign him, but evaluating where you're at, he's a center, higher value position. Okay. Well, Cooley's coming over this year. Okay. Let's say Austin Matthews doesn't sign, and that's part of their plans. It's just as one example, using him as a free agent example. Okay, well, Barrett Hayden, we're gonna have to either we're gonna have to overpay for his role because he's gonna be a second, third line guy, and it's gonna be a pretty decent cap hit. Okay, we'll just trade him and get good value back on, let's say, another right shot defenseman. Let's say uh, a couple draft picks or a couple young prospects with an established player. Uh, let's say you want to make an upgrade in goal. There's so much versatility with what you do with him as long as he keeps developing that he could he could literally be a third line center that nobody would ever complain about, or he could be that second line center and and fulfill everything he needs to. And I, it's I almost the like, sky's the limit. I feel like as a center, like I feel like he is like like for like for a team like the Coyotes, he is like that perfect middle six center, right? Mm-hmm. You can easily go up, like you know, like you know, play up to like second line minutes, we can sit comfortably at third line center. Yeah. And the only downside is that if they, if they see him as your third line center, that's still going to be a guy to get you about 15 goals a year, probably around 35, 40 points. You need that to anchor your top nine. That is something that is very valuable. 100%. The numbers would go down a little bit because he's not playing with Clayton Keller. He's not playing with Nick Schwartz. He's not playing with your first line, your first line minutes, but the numbers would still be good it all depends on what the long-term what the long-term projections are because again if he has like a 50 55 point season upcoming the, a wrench will be thrown into this because then where do you slot him and Cooley uh, if you want to also make that big move for your number 1 center or do you see Cooley as a number 1 Hayton as a number 2 and you pay him you know around that cap hit and now he is your top 6 anchor not having to to really deal with going down any lower i don't know I, I'm very interested because this season can either be a disaster or it could be a disaster because he's, he's going to improve and now it's going to be a headache to figure out what the long-term plan is or 
or he's going to improve and it's a contract year. And how do you figure out how to pay him after a contract year? Like it's going to get interesting. By then you can only hope a couple of things happens. One, the coyotes start willing to spend some money and Mm -hmm. two, the cap. I mean, I don't think the like actually, well, two won't even matter because the coyotes don't even get near the cap, but just let's, yeah, let's, let's just go back to one. There's <laughs> one coyote is willing to spend more money, um, which is a big if. And it seems like, I mean, they are incrementally looking to get more competitive. They're going to be, they, you know, we know, I feel like we know this year they're going to be better than last. Mm-hmm. You know, last year they were better than the previous year. Surprisingly, we thought they were supposed to be really bad. Y'all so, thought I had faith. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, but it, I, I mean, that just gives you an idea. Yeah. And uh, I guess we'll end this segment off with just, this has been such an interesting prospect development because, oh, you, you probably took the wrong guy. Oh, he's not going to develop. Oh, look how slow he's developing. Actually, he's got some, he's got some two way upside, but he's not scoring. Oh, wow. That could be your first line center. I, I still think that that's a little hyperbolic because it was a very good stretch i just don't know how much that will maintain and translate but if it does you're in a very good position and and if it doesn't you still have that middle six center probably second line center worst case scenario he takes a step back and it's just that defensive third line center it's so interesting with him it is so interesting because like this kid has been a overhyped bust the future first line center a guy that doesn't know how to score but is useful in the bottom six to maybe he's our first line center again in like a two-year span. It's a a really curious case for Barrett Hayton. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. But let's go ahead and uh, let's do just a quick, you know, you know, training, you know, thought exercise here, um, mm-hmm. Matt, as we do, like, let's say like a redraft of the top. Uh, what do you think? 10? Well, yeah, let's, let's do 10 or 15. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, let's do that. I feel like, because I feel, I feel like not much changes, not a whole lot changes in the top five. But let's let it's me... probably still Dalene and Svechnikov. Dalene like, and they Svechnikov. probably still go number one too. Yeah, and I feel like Brady Kachuk, I think, will slot will probably slide up to three. Yeah, I can agree there. And then Kakaniemi goes to what four or five? Because he doesn't drop much. He still has really solid stats, but he's more of like well, yeah, I, I think Kakaniemi would Kakaniemi would go to five, and I feel like Hughes would actually fill up that four spot. Yeah, Hughes has been really good. He's been uh, fantastic. I know my, my former co-host was really high on Quinn Hughes, and he's like, oh, my God, they're trading up. They're they're going to get Quinn Hughes. They're going <laughs> to get Quinn Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're at, we're at the top five. It's it's basically the same minus Hayton and Zadina. I actually, like, because I also want to look at the rest of the draft, even, like, later picks. What do you think about a guy like Igor Sharangovich 
jumping up into the first round because he has pretty solid stats and games played so far since. And he played in the KHL, so I'm assuming that's why he dropped a little bit. But, I mean, do you think he goes as high as, like, 15? Or do you think it's kind of irrelevant for the conversation? I think it's hard. To, I mean, it's uh, that that's – I see where you're going with that. I feel like you can make a good argument for that. But I think it's tough to add it to the conversation given that there's like other players that you can easily slot up there too. I mean, this was an interesting draft. I mean, there's I mean, it wasn't the best. I mean, I feel like there were there's there's definitely a lot less players from this draft who I can say who I can comfortably be like, yeah, these are pretty good. These were good picks outside again, outside of the top. 10. <laughs> yeah, where it's like Dalene, Svechnikov, Kachuk, Hughes, Kokniemi. I, I feel like we're maybe Joel Fairby has to jump up a little bit because if you look at his stats, he's actually among some of the game, like the I think top 10 in games played and points for this for this draft. A guy like Fairby probably has to jump up a little bit too. I was not sure exactly where because I feel like the top five is locked. That and no, and that top five is locked. You no. Know. <laughs> Hayton's not in it, and Zadina's not in it. I feel like Zadina even falls up, falls down a little bit more. So uh, I think six is really hard to tell because, like, I, I we have to respect Faraby. You got to respect like Keandre Miller, who has the games played. It's not quite the points. Right. I do still think we got to respect like Sharon Govich, but I just don't know how high he jumps up. Probably like fifteen, so not quite top ten conversation. But if, if you're looking at results, I mean. Do you look at like Farabee or Bouchard jumping up more? I'd make an argument for I could make you I could make an argument for it. I feel like Bouchard, you could definitely I yeah, both of them. Yeah, definitely both of them make an argument. Um into the top ten. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say so. Under the top, like probably like barely squeaking top 10. This ended up being a defensive draft. I mean, this ended up being a pretty good it was first a very round defensive. for defensemen when you look at it. I mean, this was, the kind of, this was that kind of draft that just ended up being that way, right? Or Ryan Merkley. I don't know. I feel like six is hard because I want to put Hayton there because he's on the rise. And I feel like that will look good in hindsight. I feel like Hayton probably could have been like a. At around like eight, eight nine, eight probably nine like yeah. is the best possible spot for him. I feel like the expectations would be better too if he went at like ninth overall. I feel like the expectations would be so much more manageable at this point. Oh yeah, no, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't have considered two years in. Oh, he's a bust, <laughs> right? Worst like... player ever. Can't believe we 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 passed up on on X Y Z player, and then it's like, oh man, he's a franchise savior. <laughs> And again, even for someone like me, I can I, I can admit when I was wrong, I was getting ready to give up on Baron Hayton even last year, like I said. So, um, so I guess yeah. I just saw it a little differently. Like I was just like, uh, I I had that philosophy where again, like players don't pick where they're drafted. There has to be that, that cutoff point where they they're you have to separate where they were taken to look at what they are at this point. And I don't know if I just was ready to look at him as that two-way center with some good scoring depth. 
or yeah. not, but I feel like he's kind of meeting my expectations as how I'm looking at him as a player. I but definitely, that. I'd probably have something different to say when the draft was fresh because I was, I I think I was confused when it first happened. I think my channel was in the infancy, the 2018 draft. I mean, I was just starting, you know, you know, do, doing my upward, like you know, finally finally getting the groove of my uh, college radio show, doing all things hockey. I think I remember around then too. I was talking when I was when uh, talking about the comparison between. You know, the hype around Dina too. And then, wow, the difference. As a thing, you think of how much five years has changed. <laughs> yeah. Even just how fast, like, a year changed. Like, Vitaly Kravstov went to a guy that still had a lot of upside that I wanted the Coyotes to pick up because we had room in our top nine to he goes to, to Vancouver and then signs elsewhere almost immediately. And it's like, he even still has that upside, but we, we, we've consensus Darlene, Svechnikov, Kachuk, Hughes, Kokniemi. I'll just give my next five and you give your next five. So that way we can not drag it out too long. I think I have to respect Farabee at six just because he has the numbers mm-hmm. in this draft. So it'd be like Farabee, Hayton, probably K. Andre Miller. Surprisingly, Lundstrom has the games played numbers and he's a center. So that all that obviously means a lot. So I think that's what nine, and then I still feel like Zadina would have been picked in the top ten, even with no hindsight, doubt. because he still no had doubt. the tools and the upside. He, he's not a bad hockey player yeah. or anything. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I was trying to think of you know any other top ten other than those. I feel like uh, I'm trying to look at it, and I'm like, based off of my like, I I mean, I gotta agree with you. Like, I feel like I just cannot disagree with that top 10. And it could change in another five years because other guys could get more of an opportunity. I mean, like I said, I still think Sharon Govich should be considered a little more, but I don't remember the context behind the 2018 draft. So there could have been a reason why he dropped so low. But I, I feel like you got to respect a lot of the games played as well, especially by the defenseman. Like, Ke'Andre Miller, 214 games already in the NHL. It does not feel like it. Even Rasmus Sandin at a buck 59. Like, that is not a bad young defenseman. And it looks like, what, Washington? Washington's the one that got him at the deadline? Unless I'm remembering incorrectly? Yeah. Here, I can click on it right here, actually. Rasmus Sandin. Yep, Washington, 15, ga- 15 points, 12 assists, and 19 games with him. He always had that upside. In, like, three years, he could also have made a case to be in the top 10. You, you know what's funny? Guys. Like when you mentioned Sandine, I remember. I feel like I'm not sure if we said it on this show, but I feel like I think it was on this show because I feel like the, our you know our colleagues over at the Locked On uh, Maple Leafs podcast at the time like sent over a proposal or they did a proposal on their show of what a chicken trade would have looked like. This was again this was pre chicken trade, even preseason, and I think Sandine was part of the package. And then and I feel like at the time Carl and I were like okay. I feel like you're going in the right direction here because you know what the Coyotes' needs are, and I feel like we can work this. It, again, I st- we still did a counter proposal. Uh, I think that might have included that, but it's just a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. But I like Sandian too. I feel like he could have, you know, he probably could have moved up into the top fifteen as well, just because I feel like he's like as, as a defenseman, he, he he's he's played pretty well. Yeah, I I, I probably just. 
I, I think even some of the Toronto fans that I, I consume some content on like will agree he didn't really either work out the best or get the best possible role mm-hmm. with Toronto because they're a win now team. He's a young defenseman. It, it's it's not a logical. It's not like ah oh, you screwed him or anything. Yeah. Uh, can I just think? Can I just say it's kind of funny. The best defenseman in the draft is Rasmus Dahlin. At the end of the draft, the first round, sorry, end of the first round, Rasmus Sandin. And uh, they're, they're both some of the better defensemen in the draft. I, I think that's little tiny things that match up uh, make my brain go satisfaction. Yeah. And then my, and then my, um, one of my favorite things too is the fact that like um, after Darlene joined the Sabres, the Sabres had both Rasmus Dahlin and Rasmus Ristolainen. And they had two Rasmuses. And I'm just like. They, they offloaded Risto to Philly, didn't they? Tough scene. Yeah. <laughs> Tough. Anyway, we're, we're, we're definitely over time. All right, uh, I'll admit that. But TLDR, Barrett Hayden's a good player. Some of y'all need to just chill when it comes to, to draft picks just based exclusively on where they were taken. And what a difference five years makes. Even just a couple of years, because this kid is within the fan base. The, the general sense of, consensus within the fan base has kind of changed on this kid so much in a mm-hmm. very small amount of time. Oh yeah, the roller coaster has been absolutely insane, um, and it just tells you how much difference a prospect can show their potentially show their ceiling and really develop. So again, that brings us full circle to this past draft is. Let's let's not get too into any any, any criticisms of what whoever the Coyotes picked. We had some guys who were pretty high on them. Some guys are pretty low on them. But with time, only time will tell exactly what kind of players they will be. You know, we still got a few years to even find out. But we're that's gonna be it for today's episode of the Locked On Coyotes podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review, like, comment, subscribe if you have yet to already. We're ripple everywhere you get your podcasts, including on YouTube and the SiriusXM radio app. Don't forget to interact with us on social media or on Facebook, facebook.com slash LockedOnCoyotes. And on Twitter at LO underscore Coyotes. I'm personally at Robin underscore Leonio. Matthew Jacobson is at the AZ Sports Guy. Interact with us, ask a question you might have. We might interact right back or in a future episode of the Locked On Coyotes podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. Hope you guys are staying healthy. And don't forget to howl on. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.